Okay, so many of you may already know I'm from the Boston area. And one of my favorite places when I'm home is Blue Hills. It's 7,000 square miles of forest, not even a half hour away from downtown. It's a perfect place to hike and be at one with nature. At its highest point, there's a weather observatory. It kind of looks like a small two-floor home with a tower attached to it. Now, I first came to the observatory over 20 years ago when I was in the fourth grade on a field trip. And if I'm being honest, fourth grade Baudelaire was way more into having a day off from school than learning how the folks up there use these really old instruments to track the weather. But I recently learned that the observatory has the longest continuous daily weather tracking record in the United States, dating back to 1885. So I decided I would go back to that observatory now as an adult. And this time, I learned about a lot more than just the weather. My name is Baudelaire, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we go for a hike at Blue Hills, and we visit the observatory, where climate scientists from around the world come to get their data. And we see what else there is to learn at the summit. More after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. How's it going? Hey, how are you? Doing good. Water layer. Nice to meet you. Oh, nice sorry. to meet you. <laughs> yeah, so um, how do you usually go up? So it depends on the group, what route we take. This is Donald McCaslin. He's the operations director of the Blue Hill Observatory and Science Center. Basically, he's in charge of all the educational stuff, booking school tours, leading tours, you know, stuff like that. Though I came to learn about the observatory, Don had a lot to teach me about the entirety of Blue Hills. We set off at a swift pace on a windy and cold, January day. Now, if I'm being honest, I usually don't come to Blue Hills in the winter, but I think I'm in the minority. Most people come to Blue Hills all year round. They can walk their dog, go for a night's hike, and even ski and snowboard in the winter. Um, Serves the same function today as what it was commuted for in 1893. Uh, An urban refuge, a place for people to escape the city and really enjoy and appreciate nature. 
Blue Hills is what's called a mixed forest because it has a really wide range of trees and other vegetation. It's got conifers, white pine, elm, hickory, birch, maple, and oak trees, among others. Before Europeans colonized this part of the country in 1630, Blue Hills was home to the Massachusetts tribe. The Massachusetts had been living on this land for thousands of years. They used the granite from Blue Hills to make tools to hunt animals, process food, cut down trees, and hollow out canoes. The many rivers and streams throughout Blue Hills also provided them fresh water. In fact, the Massachusetts name translates to people of the Great Hills, and it's also where the state of Massachusetts got its name. But as we hike, Don tells me it was actually the Europeans who gave Blue Hills its name. Do you know how it got its name? Uh, the Blue Hills? Yeah. It's primarily because of the um, blue rock, a rock called rhyolite. Mm -hmm. And also, from a distance, looking at the hills, especially when there was more rock and less vegetation, um, the hills would appear blue. Ah. So it's that combination that gets its name, the Blue Hills. In the late 1800s, a lot of the land around Blue Hills was converted to farms, roads, and such. But Blue Hills remained untouched. That's because a local architect named Charles Elliott took a shine to the place. He explored all 7,000 acres and couldn't get over its stunning views. He knew it was something worth protecting for Bostonians and made sure the land was set aside for public recreation. After about a half hour, Don and I reached the summit. 635 feet above sea level. We face the observatory, and maybe a few dozen yards away from it is a big metal tower. What's this tall white and red tower in front of us? So that is a radio communications tower. The very top of all those crisscross-like arms. Yeah. Is the Turns out this isn't your average radio tower. This thing is especially powerful. My recorder is picking up radio. <laughs> signals right now. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> One of, there's only uh, five stations in the United States that are able to broadcast more than 50,000 watts of power. Uh -huh. uh, and that's one of them, 98,000 watts wow. coming off of that tower. And then we walked into the two-story stone building that is the observatory. The radio static stopped as soon as we got in. Been been about twenty years since I've been here. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's very homey. It's like you know. Yeah, a lot of people when they first walk in, they'll say, "Does somebody live here?" Yeah, um, that's what it feels like. like. The observatory had furniture throughout and had rug on the floors. It was a pretty cozy space. The Blue Hills Weather Observatory was started in 1885 by an American meteorologist named Abbott Lawrence Roch. He chose the summit of Blue Hills because it's the highest hill along the Atlantic Ocean south of Maine and because the observatory would be close to Harvard and MIT. Forecasters at the observatory weren't just tracking the temperature, though. Roch and his team used all types of tools to study wind speeds, rain and snow totals, and the amount of sunlight in a day. So what, was, what goes on in here nowadays? So um, in terms of the weather observing, we study and measure the weather the exact same way today as we have since February 1st, 1885. Uh, some examples of that are this tool called the Campbell Stokes Sunshine Recorder. It's one of the most popular. Wow, it looks like a, 
like a telescope and a marble are yep. fused together. It's a, it's a crystal ball, and sometimes I'll joke that's the real way the meteorologists make their weather forecast. <laughs> gaze into the crystal ball. Uh, but the way it works, the sun shines through the crystal ball. The crystal ball magnifies the sun's rays into a pinpoint of light, which will then burn a hole in the special measuring card. And um, as the Earth spins and the sun's position moves on the card, we're able to tell what time it's clear and what time it's cloudy for every minute of each hour of the day. And um, we've used this technology since 1885. This sunshine recorder kind of looked like a middle school science project, nothing too complicated. I was expecting something really high tech. And then Don showed me another really old tool used at the observatory. It looked like a tin can, probably a foot and a half tall, with a funnel over it. He said to track the rain, they just put it outside. And the simplicity of these tools actually plays into why they continue using them. And yet, because it's so simple, just a funnel and a tube, it's also the most accurate of all the different rain gauges that we use. And that's why we continue to use it every single day, because of its accuracy and reliability. And by having a long-term homogeneous data set, that's really valuable to climate scientists. Mm. They want to know that whatever numbers we're seeing are the true weather numbers. If we were to change instruments, they might say, oh, that instrument measures precipitation higher than its predecessor did, or that instrument measures lower than its predecessor. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, <laughs> like, it feels like I'm in a room, or I guess I am in a room with like these really old instruments, but they yes. do such, like, it's, it feels like I'm almost in the past, but these things are still used today. <laughs> right, so that's the beauty is you're, you're in a living history museum. For 139 years, at least twice a day, someone makes it up to the top of Blue Hills Observatory to track the daily temperature, never missing a single day, whether it's a snowstorm, rainstorm, regardless. Twice a day, someone is up there tracking the weather. Dawn says climate scientists from all over the world come to Blue Hills Observatory to use their data when tracking changes in the weather. With more and more attention on the climate crisis, the data available at the observatory is only becoming more valuable. To just oversimplify but get a basic picture, from 1831 to 1921, we had a one degree Fahrenheit increase. And from 1921 to now, we've had over two degree Fahrenheit increase. So in the most recent 100 years, it has warmed more than twice as fast as it did the prior 90 years. Then Don suggested we head to one more spot. Well, let's go up to the top. To the rooftop of the observatory. It is very, very windy right now. So we climbed these metal steps, which led to a metal hatch door leading to the roof of the tower. First, the wind was really powerful. Don says it was around 28 miles an hour, but it felt a lot stronger than that. And second... The view was incredible. The summit view was great. You get a great shot of Boston and the surrounding area. But just at the summit, there's still trees blocking some of the view. Up here, though, it felt like I could see everything. Wow. Feels like I could see all of Massachusetts from here. That, a lot of people feel that way. And, and Boston looks like we could grab it. It's yeah. like right there. Exactly. It's 10 miles away to the skyscrapers. And that big white building there is the far south end of Boston. That's only two miles away. If that was a little bit clearer, we'd be able to see Mount Wachusett Central Mass 42 miles away. So in terms of that, you're seeing half of Massachusetts. <laughs> um, wow. And that's one of the things the observers do. 
is they keep track of what they can see and how far they can see because the drier the air, the farther the visibility, the most distant object we can see. Once we went back inside, I couldn't help but think back to the last time I was in this building. I'm sure you were like most kids. What do we have to do this for? Why do we have to learn this? Blue Hills is one of those places that folks in the Boston area might take for granted. It's right off of a major highway, so thousands of people drive past these hills every single day. But taking the time to learn about this local staple really gave me a new appreciation for its history. And being able to spend time in the observatory has shown me how important this place will be in the future. Great Blue Hills is open to visitors every day, all year round. The observatory is open Saturday and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you're going to visit them any other time, I'd suggest reaching out to the folks at the observatory via their website and planning from there. We'll drop a link to their website in the show notes. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. Our production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney, Johanna Mayer. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And my name is Baudelaire. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.